Welcome to a new episode of Becoming a Post-Growth Planner, Obstacles and Challenges to Changing Roles and Practices. My name is Christian Lamker. I'm Assistant Professor for Sustainable Transformation and Regional Planning at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. And today we move a bit further north to Linköping University and get some insights from Sweden by uh, Dick Magnussen. Hello, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for inviting me to this. So I'm an uh, associate professor here in Linköping in, uh, in Sweden, like two hours south of Stockholm. I am a researcher doing some research in various fields, but a lot of interdisciplinary aspects of urban regional planning and energy issues and infrastructure. And I'm also the program coordinator of our bachelor program in urban and regional planning. Right. Yeah, that's I think we also get a bit into touch. One part on teaching. We will get back to that later. Another part on uh, your engagement uh, towards debates about post-growth planning from the Swedish context, especially the rural context and the issues of shrinking municipalities, shrinking population numbers. How would you summarize the problem for planning in Swedish municipalities? So what have you studied there? Yes, so me and a colleague called Ida Grundel, we had a project uh, focusing on infrastructure, hard infrastructure like water, sewage, district heating, electricity in small, not in sort of in, in area, but in population wise in Sweden, municipalities. Sweden is pretty, I always think it's interesting, but it's different from another, uh, some other countries in the sense that municipalities have a lot of self-governing. They uh, are in charge of a few mandatory, very important uh, tasks like schools and uh, elderly care and child care and uh, among certain things. And that is based on the tax revenue, basically. And of course, tax comes from income tax in Sweden. So we pay like to people always say we pay a lot of taxes in Sweden and we kind of do, but not really, to be honest. And uh, in, in uh, like two thirds of the tax goes to the municipalities. So in Sweden, it's very clear that the, the bigger municipalities in terms of population are increasing in population and the smaller ones are decreasing. That means that there's a lower tax revenue, that there are um, um, people who are moving out and uh, elderly population and puts a lot of pressure on, on, on the sort of municipal services. And that, of course, leads to a lot, lot of different planning issues, both in terms of can we build at all new things? Should we build new things at all? And also infrastructure that are becoming sort of overdimensioned. The water and sewage is the biggest problem because it's just uh, there, there might be like 50% usage compared to the capacity. So it leads to a lot of technical issues, but most of all financially. Uh, so that means there's a lot of issues coming from this sort of development in population. Yeah, so now one could say the easy solution, get more population in uh, or more economic revenues, and then it will all finance itself and problem is solved. But I guess it wasn't that easy and it isn't that easy. So you uh, started looking further into post-growth post -growth planning thoughts. What would this perspective better help to address uh, in these especially rural contexts? I think it, it helps in sort of juxtaposing or making a, a con contrast to the strategies that we see. But I would say that we are really coming in with a theoretical lens and a little bit normative idea on this because non, very few of the municipalities are there thinking about doing it differently, thinking of 
post-growth, non-growth, they all have strategies to grow. And like you, you said, well, the silver bullet is get more people and then we'll solve it. And it, it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened for 30 years, 20 years. So we have a colleague here in Lean Shopping called Josefina Sysner that has done quite some work on shrinking municipalities. And she has started to, to talk about this, that they should accept the municipalities that we are perhaps not changing this direction in a good way. And I think one of the big issues with this is that they have to sort the municipalities need to both break and accelerate at the same time. They want to get more people in, but they have to maintain and keep up a good service. And it's very difficult to do those things. So I, I would say that it's changing the mindset that we should at least focus on the ones that are still living there and not focus on those that are not living there, trying to get them to move there would be a very good sort of um, strategy instead. Yeah, indeed. More more people don't mean good living conditions or a good life for those who are there, or at least no. there are many steps in between. Uh, yes. But how does it happen? How are good living conditions, how is the good life so much related to a growing economy, to growing populations? Um, how would you position then post-growth also in relation to these debates about shrinking cities, shrinking regions, and ways how to um, plan with them, how to develop future options from within these areas as well? Yeah, I think it's uh, is a you know that's the key question, I guess, and I think that it has to do with uh, a, a little bit of understanding what you actually have, not what you should try to become, or looking backwards that we were this. But and the world has changed so much that it's very possible, very difficult to to um, to change back to to what it was. So it's, I think that they these municipalities really can offer good living environment just because of more space closer to nature and all these things. The tricky thing is, of course, that everybody, all the municipalities are using the sort of same, the thinking the same way. It's a very much, okay, we have good uh, environment, but all the municipalities around us have the same thing and try to market that. So instead of focusing intensity still on, okay, what can we, re we really do? How can we make use of there might be abandoned uh, industrial buildings. Can we do anything interesting with them and sort of look in other directions that creates a vibrant sort of uh, atmosphere and, and for younger people to have opportunities to actually stay there and not have to go to the bigger cities instead of, uh, of move, moving away from there. I think that post-growth ideas and the shrinking cities are, are really great that way of, of pointing uh, of course, it, it points towards a problem in itself, but also possible, even though, you know, sort of normative ideas of how can we do it differently, which is very still, you know, not that pre uh, evident in, in strategies from a national and regional level. So I think that uh, these sort of theoretical strands can be prescriptive in an interesting way, but it's tricky. It's a political issue. It's very difficult for for a politician to go to an election and say that no, we, I mean, this is we we, we should do it differently. Is it takes a lot of courage to do that, and it's it's not that common actually. Yeah, and in your research, you looked a lot also at energy, hard infrastructures, network infrastructure. So these very traditional, very classic topics of planning um, uh, that have a lot of investment that has happened in the past that need a lot of investment to sustain. How do you see this connection between growth and these hard or network infrastructures and what makes it so hard there to also embark on a different trajectory? Yeah, I think it's several things. And I think honestly, looking at 
when I did my PhD and early studies, we really looked at infrastructure as such and the system builders, all these Thomas Hughes studies, you know, and and in the mindset from a lot of the infrastructure owners and and, and builders are growth. We we manage them by growth in a sense. So I think it's a lot about a lot about the mindset from from the actual owners in a sense. And I also think another very problematic issue is that um, that they, they were subsidized quite a lot when they were built, especially water sewage, and it was state very very good um, opportunity to get subsidies and good loans uh, rates at at that point to build them and just building new things. But now when we really have to think about not building new things, perhaps we need to maintain them and update them to to a bare minimum standard. Uh, the, then the question is, okay, is this only a municipal question or should this be a, a state question also? Should we go back and subsidize? Because this, they, they really think of it as a ticking bomb, especially the water and sewage. But also, in the, I would say my thing has been district heating, and that's a very common thing in Sweden. It, it has, it's, I think it's quite problematic that in a lot of the smaller municipalities, the 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 capacity among the politicians and the the people working in the more governmental positions they don't have the competence for in energy and how to to handle those issues then private actors international actors come in and buy the district heating plants they are heating all the public housing basically so every the rent that goes up has to do with increasing in in the prices of district heating that is basically a lot has to do with the economic return that is uh, that, that the new sort of owners want so i think there's a lot of different issues here and then i haven't even mentioned roads which is also poly, uh, not only a municipal but also state issue is so much to do with those issues and that is the problem maintaining developing and being attractive in their mindset at the same I would, time i would maybe follow up upon that as um, on the one side you explained that swedish municipalities have a lot of own freedom autonomy to do their own decisions on the other side, they are somehow caught in this um, external investment that they need uh, into competition with each other. What do you see as a new or changing or maybe re-emerging role also of the, the region, the state, or even beyond the state in order to um, I don't know, enable more post-growth avenues? We have to, in Sweden just have to realize that the municipalities struggle to the smaller ones uh, to to take charge of this aspect themselves, and they are they they are very tricky to look long term in in the future. You have to solve a lot of problems now ahead. So I think that the regional level and the state level has uh, an important role in coordinating with competence and and education and so on in order for for the municipalities to get a, some breathing room and really to think about st strategic choices that are not only closing out the most uh, the fires that are closest to us, but a lot of things are perhaps five, ten years from now. Now would be the time really to think of it and, and not thinking about solving it through growth. You, you know, we have to at least present options that uh, we, we might not be able to change this direction. Uh, we have had tried 15, 20 years and I think from but I think that's even more difficult from a regional and from a state perspective to even go into those things. It's, it's so far, it's always this north-south divide also in Sweden, urban-rural divide in a sense also. Very tricky to for the 
for, for the levels above the municipality to to try to put those sort of strategies on the smaller municipality. I think I think that it would be super interesting to to even see any thoughts on that, but I haven't seen that at all actually. Do you recognize a bit more openness somewhere on the ground to maybe think in this direction that for municipalities it might mean giving a bit away their autonomy for regions or the state it might mean taking a bit more risks or being more involved in uh, in also the hard decisions that it will probably mean when uh, looking at a larger scale do you recognize that there's some uh, idea yes we should really try that by specific practitioners some municipalities or yeah i think it's 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 very individual I, i've come across it a very a few times we have a municipality in this region where uh, they are it's one of the smaller in terms of population and i had long discussion with their pl head of planning um and he talked about these matters that uh, he he saw it as an opportunity to even think of it as um, I mean we are not really growing but we can do so much things and it's we can we have only one or two employed planners he said and but they can do a lot of things when it's a school break they organized like these interesting things for the school children to just their future ideas of city you know town development in a sense so you can see it on an individual level i know josefina is uh, sister is in this network we're talking with politicians that are up in the northern municipalities that are sort of moving a little bit and try to at least work with this idea but it's a big difference to to think of it um what they can do can do compared to giving away some autonomy that is one of the sort of biggest no-nos in 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 sweden i only only come across it a few times that they think of it that it might have to do with wind power development in, because there's a lot of focus on the rural municipalities and there's a lot of municipal no, say no they can have a veto to that and then we're, there was some discussion that maybe that is where we could or should even leave some to the state level but this is a long historical sort of you know power struggle between municipalities and the state in sweden they're not happy to give away, away anything even in a issue like this i don't think it's uh so down on an individual level you see it a little bit but not that, that much to be honest yeah do you but do you recognize that there are municipalities really going unique individual ways as you explained that they basically market all similar things or try to position themselves against others using same ideas of what is unique about them, put something, some other vision, other idea, maybe a bit more central to what's the planning agenda. I think it's very seldom you come across it. You can you can have those discussions on an individual level when we talk to, to them, uh, but then they are at the same time is marketing themselves to others and so on. So I don't think anybody really there, even though in, in the sort of strategic planning document, you can see uh, formulations of that. Now we have to maintain what you have and think about our strengths and not only think about growth, but growth is there. It's always there in one way or another. But of course, there are some that are a little bit innovative in, in the way that they are marketing themselves. But it's, it's not that I and i don't say there isn't because i don't know about all the municipalities but the ones that we studied and i know of is not that common but i think there are a few like the one i talked about here in in Östergötland, that well you see it a little bit and they have connections with university with uh, what some of the researchers are are you know working with dealing with these issues but not that common <laughs>
Oh, but maybe it will change as uh, we work together with them. Um, and we yeah. both work in universities and we also uh, educate, teach, guide students towards a future career in planning. And I would like to talk a moment about teaching as well. So from especially these perspectives, younger planners, planners to start thinking about their own planning career or after studying, start their career somewhere. What would you say? Why is it so important to understand what hinders planners to think in a post-course direction? Or where are maybe also already emerging entry points? Yeah, I think that our role in, in the bachelor program uh, and is in the master program is, of course, to present a broad variety of, uh, of uh, theoretical avenues. And we tend to perhaps be a little bit more leaning towards critical ideas and, and so on. But we realize that the students not always think that way. They are very much in what's the mainstream politi political ideas at the moment. So I think a, a matter is to challenge them a little bit that it could be otherwise. Even if you're coming from a super critical perspective, it's good to challenge them in another way. Well, but it's an illiberal society we live in in a way you know it's idealistic and how can we be pragmatic you know so that's a, i think that's one of the things we need to do but it, it is tricky but i realized when i'm for example having lectures based on shrink shrinking cities literature and they are very interested in it and for, for some of them it's very eye-opening that oh i didn't really realize how much of a difference it is between the municipalities in sweden and that is not only also a swedish phenomena it's all over europe and china and everywhere so, so it's some of them, and they always say that, well, it's, we should even have more rural focus in, in the program, even there is. So I think there's a lot of interest there. But then I also, when I talk to practitioners, the students, when they come out, they're very oriented towards working in in municipalities and practically, they are very you know keen on learning what's going on in the municipality and they listen and the language is great it's good to be humble but they also say that well we would like the students to actually be a little bit uh, teach us things and not only just go and listen to what's what's happening on this planning department they just follow that maybe challenge them a little bit so in, in terms of thinking differently uh, so I think it's 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 all over, you know, it's, it's a little lazy to always say that it has to do with structure, but it, it has to a little bit in a sense that they they get out in the real world and just come across uh, and come in contact with, you know, growth and these ideas that has been around quite a bit. But I think there is interest. It's always some that are not interested at all, but I always find it that they really take the sort of bottom-up perspective and think it's important. But I think they're forgetting it after a few years working and because they want to just be, be, you know, do a good job and just listen, okay, and try to navigate and calibrate, okay, well, how am I doing a good job here? Should I have too much ideas or not? So it's, you know, it's a bit, in, try to encourage them to be, that they know a lot of things coming out of a university program uh, that's not only practical, but also theoretically challenging in a way. One of my biggest sort of concerns, what I'm always thinking quite a lot about, actually. From your teaching experience, do you have specific ideas, examples, how to maybe better, even better challenge uh, students to, to keep some of these critical thinking, maybe also to uh, not only enter practice and be overwhelmed by structures, but also at least partly shape maybe their working environment on the mid-long term? 
So many careers run over 35, 40, 50 years. Uh, so it's quite some time if you think about even changing structures. Yeah, I, I, I don't have the solution yet uh, because it's, it's it, we are, it's context thing is that we have a, had a, our planning program is fairly new. So we have like three years batches of alumni out in the, in the, in the real world. And they, um, so, so it's a little bit that we understand is now that we got this sort of feedback from, from the, um, uh, from the employers. Uh, but I think that it's about, we always try to have a theoretical lens on everything, even though we have one course that I'm teaching, which is very practical in, in creating development plans, the sort of more detailed development plans. But there's always, we try to have seminars where we think, okay, now you should really have a, sort of theoretical lens on what happened here. It is very practical thing that we need to realize what should we build and where, but also asking questions, why? Why should we, you know, it's a very simple thing, but at least thinking, okay, but why Why do we have to do it like we always have? Of course, we have to, we can't build uh, 200 meter high, high houses here, or we could not just leave the, the area empty because it's not really realistic but how can we at least think a little bit different how could you know a little bit sds science and technology studies perspective how could it be differently without not only following the path of what trajectory what has been but our students sometimes struggle with theory and think it's a little bit too abstract they want they, they are really like instrumental sometimes not everybody absolutely not but so that so that is one of the key challenges also not to go too deep into theory and and so on and relativizing everything they need they they want the solutions they want the tools yes you will get that also but hopefully you you will get an idea of how to uh like you said also you have a long career and going back to the be open to other theories and ideas is something that along the line will be very helpful in a way. Yeah, but you, you explained that even uh, looking into the differences in the Swedish context is already an eye opener to some. Um, and I would say also post growth is not something for rural areas and growth is for cities or the other way around. Do you have an idea that post growth could also help overcome these maybe simplistic thinking? There are rural areas, there is there are cities, and that's mm. something different and often Maybe people don't even look at the rural areas. How could post-growth and also in studying maybe become more the idea to develop something positive, future-oriented, what we have already discussed as good living conditions or the good life, these local perspectives. Do you see ideas there? Yeah, my, a, a little bit. I think that I think it's an interesting development now that Stockholm don't really see a growth anymore in in, in moving people moving in there and lean shopping where i am they have really their strategies that no we don't have the aim anymore to grow actually they still grow so it's a little bit of a you know it's a it can be spoiled or whatever word to use in that way that we will grow anyway and they build a lot anyway but you can see it a little bit that it's not only urban rural that it's uh quite the opposite and but uh, and I think that Malmö perhaps is an interesting example where they try to focus a little bit on culture and other sort of intensifying some of the, you know, activities already going on there, which not has to, and it's not always connected to, to growth. It's a little bit that, okay, we, let's create a, this area in the, in the, in Malmö where we 
allow loud music throughout. So it's a uh, is an exception there to some of the regulations. So you can see it a little bit there that it thinking about what do we have and not always think about growth in in, in that the results should be that more people move in or more economic revenues going in there but it's that is you know ex exceptions quite a lot but it is interesting with stockholm because they have to, to see this that trend it, of course it has to do with it's just too expensive now it's just uh it's crazy how the pricing has gone up which it impacts all the university educations it's difficult for somebody outside to study in stockholm because you don't have anywhere to live basically so there's a lot of these things that are going on uh we the, the sort of effects from the covid pandemic you see it a little bit but it wasn't as you know a, lo a lot of the municipalities hope that now it's going to mean that people are moving back or you know moving outside you see it a little bit but it's not that evident just yet and we went back to what we did before quite fast i have to say so if we say that growth is not viable or also not desirable for a future if it means in stockholm that future planners can only be those who I don't know, have already been rich over the uh, their past generations uh, then we also get into other troubles so are there ideas where you say uh, these should be further developed for future transformations in this way something where you feel this is something we could take up at the university students could take up yeah i, mean, I think there are a lot of uh, interesting avenues one of the things i have thought quite a lot about that we struggle with is to get students with another sort of background which is whatever to call it but none you know have uh, parents from outside of sweden so even being born outside of sweden we we are an anomaly compared to how sweden what sweden looks like today it means that there's a mid middle class students that comes in and that say that you know mindset of obviously going my i my background shapes my mindset i have to challenge myself all the time and the planning profession is an interesting way uh, I, I think a lot of perhaps goes into planning might have a critical perspective in a sense or interest in the other side whatever the other side is and uh, you know uh, but it, that's not always the case at all which is good to challenge each other but you know thinking of the background of the students and the planners is something that's quite interesting because it's gonna shape a little bit how what you do and what sort of strategies you want to work with even though it's a political thing of course um, so that might be something do you think of growth as a planner based on your background do you, do you have other ideas based on that but it's a um, it's a good question that i'm not really 100 sure of yet there are a lot of avenues because it's it's not really like post-growth ideas is you see it everywhere in sweden not at all it's a few research projects and like we have talked about not that much in the municipalities just yet yeah i agree but that's an, a good thought as i also think if we want to shape the future we also need to think about who the we is so who mm. we are what our background is and how that enables us to see one way or not see the other and then uh, mm. what other people are around there with their potential visions. We are already moving very much towards the end. Uh, as always in this podcast, I would ask you to finish one final sentence. That's the sentence post-growth planning is. Yes, <laughs> post-growth planning is possible. And I think it's even uh, necessary in, in a lot of ways, but very difficult.
I think that's where I end up, you know, very simplistic in a sense, because that's where I am at the moment. I think it's so important that there are uh, because the neoliberal idea is going to be strong still and post-growth is challenging that. And I think that's super in- important that it's actually something going on with the, the sports, but it's so difficult uh, in to get people on board with it. <laughs> Thanks for these final words, Dick. Uh, many regards to Lynn Chirping. Let's continue this way. And thanks for sharing your ideas, your insights into the Swedish context and your research and also your teaching. Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you.